<laughs> you know, what, it, did, I, what did you think of Donda? Man, um, so I, I downloaded. Honestly, I, I downloaded it today on my way to the gym. I got through about half of it. It's kind of whack. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I was a big. I, I explained it to everybody this way. Okay, I was a huge Kanye guy back in the day when it was college dropout graduation. Oh baby. And now you see Kanye, and I'm like, you know what the fuck happened? <laughs> like this guy used to be the goat, right? So. Um, yeah, for real. Little whack, little whack. I don't know. Not not my favorite Kanye album, that's for sure. What is up, everybody? This is your favorite podcast, the PT3, with your hosts, Prav, Michael, and Waleed. What is up, everyone? Yo. Doing well. How's everyone doing? I'm good, man. I'm just I'm just excited to see and hear you guys again. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah unfortunately guys we've switched off of zoom because uh the audio quality is just terrible so we're, we're back here and now we can't see each other's faces so we're having a bit of uh fomo about that but it's all good <laughs> well we're gonna probably try to look for a software that kind of addresses both things but in the meantime we'll stick with this just listen to our next time we voices. should do a group facetime Oh, and speaking of be- speaking of beautiful beautiful voices, Prab, do you mind introducing our oh, host today or guest? So, our guest today has the most beautiful, unique voice in the physio industry, <laughs> according to our conversation before we press record. Um, and his name is Matthew Lang from Foundation Physiotherapy. Uh, I'll let you introduce yourself though, because um, you have a lo- you have a lot of credentials, you have a lot of experience, and you know we're really excited to have you on. So, uh, this is Matthew Lang, everyone. I appreciate those. That was maybe my favorite introduction ever onto a podcast. <laughs> oh, of any sort. So was, uh, we made yeah. it, boys. We made yeah. it. Let's go. Top notch, top quality. Um, gosh, I mean, um, yeah, thanks for having me on, first and foremost. Always love to come on. Um, any opportunity to talk physio, obviously, it's been kind of my life's work so far. Um, so, really appreciate this. Uh, I guess the rundown of who I am and, and what I do. Uh, graduated from U of He Physiotherapy in 20, or 2009. Uh, so I've been practicing for a little over 12 years now. Uh, two years in, I wasn't too happy with how my career was progressing. Like I'm sure many people in our profession aren't. Uh, stuck working for a large corporation that I didn't feel was really uh, meeting my goals and my standards of what I wanted care to be. So I was lucky enough to have uh, some colleagues and uh, help me build a clinic. Um, Raj Sapaya, for, uh, a lot of you guys might know, it's my business partner. Uh, we knew each other from from before. Uh, he was actually one of my clinical instructors from way back in the day. So we kind of went out. We had lunch one day, and we you know had a, a rough idea of a business plan, and we decided uh, you know kind of screw it. Let's go do it ourselves. I think we could do it better than everybody else is doing it right now. Um, at least is you know at least better than the big businesses are that we worked for at the moment. Um, and that was it. You know, we kind of went out with very little business experience, um, but just a lot of grit and hustle. And we learned on the fly. You know, we learned how to do a business plan properly. We learned how to get money from a bank. We learned how to deal with architects. We learned how to deal with leasing agents. Um, we learned how to get clients on our own. And we kind of, you know, we just dove head first. Um, and it was what my friends like to call like my real life MBA. 
and it sucked and it was great at the mm. same time. Right. So, um, uh, I always tell people, you know, be careful what you wish for and make sure your <laughs> lifestyle is ready for it. And for me, yeah. you know, I was a single guy. I was living in a pretty affordable place at the time in Toronto, which I guess doesn't exist anymore. Um, and that, w- that was it. You know, I could be a little risky with my life. You know, as juxtapose that with Raj, who had just had, you know, had been married for a couple of years and just had a baby. And in retrospect, maybe that drove him to work as hard as he did. But for me, that knowledge that I could be as risky as possible in my life, um, and I'm a pretty risk adverse person anyways, and just kind of dove in head first. And, you know, we're looking back, we're coming up on 10 years now in November. Wow. that we've been around and wow, we're, we're up to uh, thank you guys um, yeah so we're, you know we're up to a, a number of clinics at the moment uh, Raj and myself have been in, engaged with teaching we work with a number of you know high performance athletes and sports teams um, I think we have somewhere it's going to sound bad that I don't know the exact number but somewhere around 25 or so therapists you know physio massage and chiropractor that work with us and you know, we couldn't be more proud of what we built and the communities that we built it in. And we're just looking to continue to continue to build from that and now start to, you know, not just go back and teach physios. And I'm at Humber teaching the physio and occupational therapy assistant program now, but also, you know, be mentors for physios who want to get into business and be mentors for physios who, you know, again, don't have that business literacy, just like we didn't back in the day. Yeah, um, that's amazing. Um, November is also a big time or like a big month for, I don't know about these guys, but for me also, um, since I'm going to be graduating and be a free agent. So that's it, right? It's a, it's free agent <laughs> month in physio. That's exactly. <laughs> we're, we're all so, in there. We, we have, yeah. the, you know, what, what you guys don't know is all the business owners get together and we do like a trade deadline, just like on TSN. <laughs> You that's guys just right. don't know that. That's right. That's it's it. a that's draft. Right. Yeah, it's your draft. It's done behind one. the scenes. It's the I don't, I don't want. I don't want to know. I don't want to know what my like my projections are. Like I don't want to know like where we're ranked and all that. I just want to know I got signed. That's all. <laughs> it's a first round, first round draft pick. I don't know. I might, I might go undrafted to be honest, but I don't mind. I don't just, mind. Just bet on yourself, like Fred Van. That's right? it. That's wrong. it. You know it. Um, one of the things that you mentioned, I think, like your your journey seems like it's like pretty long. Um, obviously, lots of success, but also a lot of failures. I imagine. Um, mm-hmm. Do you mind? I remember you kind of shared some of this stuff with us, like during your during the entrepreneurship elective, and um, some other classes that you may have hosted through our school. Um, mm-hmm. But do you mind sharing some of the failures that you experienced? as a student and even some significant failures that you ran into when you opened up um, the clinic that you guys have now? Oh, uh, of course, of course. Um, I guess the expectation is always that like, okay, you're a successful physio, whatever and however people define that is, right? It's um, you've, you've got postgraduate degree diplomas or you have a successful clinic or you have a number of clinics or um, you've mentored or you've taught. Um, you have a successful caseload, whatever that might be. Um, but you know, it's important to realize that, you know, everybody comes from somewhere and everybody has their own challenges at some point in the careers. Right. Um, and maybe I've been blessed to be challenged a lot in my life. Um, but you know, I, I shouldn't know, but I know I was one of the last two people who even got, you know, the interview at U of T physio back in the day. 
I was, I don't want to say in trouble a lot at school, but um, I definitely got pulled aside a couple times uh, for bad grades or, you know, just, you know, barely passing. What is it? You know, 70, 70% to pass, right? So seven all good to go. Seven oh good to go. That was the term, right? So I used to like to ride that wave pretty close. Um, I definitely got called in for, you know, what was called poor performance on uh, clinical internships, um, which was more of a personality thing than anything. Um, so it gave me an opportunity to, to really challenge myself and challenge how I learn and challenge how I study and challenge how I deal with difficult personalities in a clinical internship, which I think is, was maybe the best thing to ever happen to me. Uh, because if I wasn't scared of failing a clinical internship in such an early one that really I, I had no business failing, you know, that, that really set me up to really value communication in a different way, which I think has been super valuable. Not that I think I got amazing at it right away, but it allowed me to start to investigate and, kind of get out of my own way, you know, stop being such an asshole about it and be willing to change and evolve a little bit. Right. So, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't have the best scholastic career. Um, part of that's just, you know, I don't have the best attention span sometimes let's say, but you know, uh, it made me, it made me work hard and it made me get through it. Um, and then getting to a postgraduate degree, uh, like the F camp and the diploma of manipulative therapy, I felt that much stronger and that much more ready to commit myself to that type of uh, education and time commitment at that point where I probably wasn't there actually when I was in physio school. Um, from a communication standpoint, uh, you know, having mentioned already some of the issues in a clinical internship, but uh, becoming a business owner is a very weird thing in the physio world. And I think it is in a lot of technical jobs because you tend to become the owner or the boss or the manager because you're good at something technically. And I, like, I really don't want to sit here like I'm sitting here tooting my own horn because I've got tens of colleagues that are much better technically speaking than me when it comes to manipulation or dry needling, but I'm okay. I'm okay enough, right? So to be good at it. And next thing you know, you've got a staff of five, then a staff of 10 and a staff of 15. And all of a sudden things start to change, right? Your, your roles and responsibilities start to change. It's not just what you do for your clients. It's now what you do for your staff as well, right? Are you able to provide a environment for your staff to learn an environment where they feel comfortable, an environment where they are, um, you know, they feel cared for to grow, right? Are we providing a plan of growth for them as well? We're so good at providing this plan of care for clients, but we never really think about, you know, what about that new grad who we just hired, right? That we just drafted that day, right? What is their, what is their pathway and what are my characteristics that are symbiotic to what they want to get to, right? It's, it's not all, Hey, here's how you manip, here's how you mobilize, here's the exercise, here's my go-to exercise for somebody with TOS, which is what I think most therapists coming out of school think they need. And I think most technically sound advanced therapists think they need to give the novice therapist, right? But it's more about presenting 
this environment where yes, that's also happening, but we're also teaching communication skills. We're teaching empathy. We're teaching how to be a better person. We're teaching how to read nonverbal body language and to deal with difficult clients and to not burn out. Right. I, I spend a lot of time, more time than I, I would like to say I do, talking to some of my younger novice staff about, you know, just how they're doing after a long day. And you guys are doing your clinical internships right now. You know, it's not school anymore, right? You're not leaving at four o'clock. You're there till eight, eight thirty, nine o'clock. Doesn't, you know, it, it depends on the clinic you're working at. And sometimes you've had bad days and sometimes clients have yelled at you. And sometimes the front desk has yelled at you. And that that's really where success in physio and, and being a leader comes comes to. It's like, can you help people grow? And I think that was something, you know, selfishly, I had a lot of trouble with that early on as a business owner because I was still trying to get my F-camp. And I thought that was just the most important thing for me in my life at that point. And I thought, you know, everybody's got to get on board with me. And I come from a, you know, like a lot of physios, you come from, uh, an athletic background, you know, and for me it was hockey where there are no barriers, right? You just kind of say what's on your mind and um, you're, you're very abrupt and you're very brunt at times. And not that I was out there cursing at people, but you can be a little bit more brunt and abrupt than you probably want to be portrayed as. And it takes time to learn how to control those uh, emotions. And, and some people might be listening to this and saying, geez, why were you, you know, how stressed out are you at work sometimes? But when you're a small business owner and you're, you're just kind of making it in your first year, your first two years, and, you know, honestly, there's sometimes you're just paying the bills, right? And you got to pay everybody before you pay yourself, right? Now you're hoping, geez, I hope I get two more assessments this week so I can pay myself too, right? And you're thinking about these little things and you're thinking about, geez, that light just went out and, oh, shit, the internet's not working again today. And you're thinking, hey, why isn't the phone ringing or, you know, why isn't the laundry done? And it's an additive thing, right? And, um, you know, the big thing right now is you can't pour from an empty cup, right? But when you're a small business, not a small business owner, but a new owner, that cup is very drained at all times, right? It's just drained all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I don't think there's anybody I've talked to as, you know, as zen as they might want to feel. Everybody goes through this bit at the beginning where you know you're you're just stressed out and you got to learn how to manage it to manage your team as well what did you um sorry to cut you off but that's really interesting just because i've been talking to a lot of people we're on internships we're working longer hours people are feeling stressed and i feel like there's mm-hmm. an added dimension to it when you own the clinic not only are you caring for the clients like you were saying you're caring for the staff and you also have a mission statement that you want to portray mm-hmm. with the clinic so what are some ways that you found useful to manage some of that stress and kind of reach more of a zen-like state so you can act from a place of logic instead of emotion and cursing out people and doing (laughs) the wrong thing you know what i mean listen i mean you guys know me a little bit now but anybody who knows me well who might be listening to this knows i'm definitely not in a zen-like state (laughs) (laughs) at any point i'm like you know on a scale of zero to ten i'm running on a seven to eight on a good day, right? Like, hey, man, like your I'm voice bouncing. sounds like you're at like a zero, to be honest. <laughs> Very chill. That's well, there you go. That's that's practice. That's practice right there. Um, you know, my my mind's always bouncing around, right? So, um, but I, I do think there is part of it that you know you learn to be. For me, be you know, 
practicing a little, like, I don't want to say the word stoicism, but I guess a little bit, right? Just realizing you can only worry about the things you can control, right? And that goes for staff who might leave or people who want to go on vacation all at the same time in Christmas time. Um, again, you know, when you're a new clinic and you need people there, when it's, um, you know, the power goes out in the neighborhood, so you can't, you know, your phones go out, you can't take new calls that day. I think you learn quickly that if you're going to sit there and stress out the entire time, your career is going to be very short and your lifespan might be pretty short as well. And it's, it's really important to find whatever that piece is for you. And for me, it's always maintaining that sense of physical self, right? Um, being, being a physical self, whether it's making sure you're playing team sports and you're, if that's the way you see your buddies every once in a while, um, making sure you get into the gym to relieve some of that stress, right? Uh, for me, going to the gym, even at the end of a hard day at nine o'clock can be pretty cathartic for me. You know, just leaving everything emotionally on the floor, um, whether it may be boxing on a heavy bag or doing some deadlifts or a bench press, as simple as that sounds, it's very cathartic in, in my, like in my person, right? Um, and it just comes down to what everybody needs to feel, right? And um, going to meet friends for a beer on a Friday is also very cathartic for me, to be perfectly honest. So it's just you know, managing the social aspect you need outside of work and the physical aspects and the mental aspects you need, whatever gives you that clarity. Um, you know, a lot of my staff have told me, and I agree with them, it's, you know, you come back from work, you might see 10 clients, you might see 15 clients. If you're one of those double booking clinics, you might see 25 clients, right? Coming home, the f one problem they tell me is, hey, you know, my partner wants to talk to me and I don't want to talk, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm over it. And I, and again, it's one of these things I'm kind of laughing a little bit cause I've definitely, I've definitely made this mistake and I've definitely, you know, had relationships that didn't go maybe the way they should have because I didn't know how to control these things yet. Right. I was still learning these things about myself, but we do, you know, we to go back to that cup analogy, right? You're pouring your cup out all day long. And you got to remember there's other people in your life that you have to keep some of that coffee for, right? Some of that, some of that bottle juice of wine or, for, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, juice, bottle of wine, whatever, whatever's more fun. Um, <laughs> right. So you, you got to, I think it's so important for everybody to. Wait, wait, wait. How's training. your cup? How's your cup going right now? Like, can you, <laughs> like do we, we're not draining your cup out right now, are we? <laughs> I got I got a full thing of biosteel. Don't worry. I got oh, just in a boxing bag next to him. He's just punching it. Just so right after the call. I mean, this podcast is cathartic for him. It's eight thirty. Yeah, that's it. And yeah, I yeah, think yeah, that's. But I, I think that's it's to go back and tie that into what we were saying before. I think that's really the job of the leadership at the clinic you work at. That doesn't necessarily have to be the, the owner specifically. But it has to be somebody, the senior therapist, the person, you know, your um, your clinical uh, instructor, uh, you know, whoever that is, your your mentor, whether you're in your clinic or not, to have these discussions with, especially with new grads, and and help walk through this, right? It's um, it's a 
it's always been a profession that once I got out into the real world, I realized how siloed off we were, right? We, we talk a lot about teamwork and interprofessional care. And the reality is when you get into the real world, if you're in a clinic that's a private treatment room, well, now you definitely don't see anybody because you sit in your room all day. And then you come out to get your client and you walk your ass back in. In the open concept room, at least you might have to share some, you know, you might have to share the resistance bands with somebody or the weights or the, you know, the balance ball. And you might have to have a little bit of a brief discussion, but there's not always time to have just discussions. And any discussion time is always, just always ends up being clinical care, clinical care. And we miss a lot about how we're building culture in a clinic, how we're taking care of people in a clinic, how we're making sure we're all evolving as people, how we're improving our empathy. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I could go on a forever, right? But I think that's really yeah. the key to, to where we need to go in, in the profession. And okay. right. just based on my experience, that's something that's always been lacking. For sure. So based on all your experience and everything that you've gone through over the years with opening the clinic, finishing PT school, hiring a bunch of staff and having some of the, the failures that you were talking about, how do you keep your cup full at the end of the day? Good question. That's a, that's a very good question. Um, and, and all in like a full disclosure, complete honesty, I'm still, I'd still say I, I need to work. It's something I need to work on. Um, I'd like to be busy, at least with a purpose. I don't like, to, I'm not somebody who likes to just be busy for no reason, but being busy with a purpose. Um, I like social time with my friends, which obviously has been challenging through the COVID pandemic that we are all kind of working ourselves through right now. Um, I like to be active. You know, we haven't played hockey uh, or had the opportunity to play hockey. Um, even with my buddies in the past 18 months or so. So um, we're just about to start a league up in about three weeks. So that's actually something I'm really looking forward to. Um, for me, it's trying to find the time to pursue some of those other passions that I have. Um, to spend time with uh, people that I enjoy spending time with, number one. I think that's the that's the biggest thing. Um, and also just to, you know, finding some very calming things to do right so for me personally i like to be down by the beach if i'm not doing anything you know it doesn't need to be anything crazy just with my headphones on and some music and just hang it out by the beach um i'm a very simple guy that way but being able to tell yourself you're going to carve that time out for you is the key right so um i found blocking schedules super beneficial right so in our in my clinic i have people booking meetings for me quite frequently and sometimes you have to put your foot down and say you know i'm not taking a meeting on friday after 6 p.m right which sounds crazy and, and pretty understandable but when you got a busy clinic and people are in healthcare people are working different hours and different shifts booking meetings typically happens after hours right where you either want to be at home with friends or family or doing something different or being at a Jays game or a concert, whatever that might be. So it, it really is kind of taking a little control for yourself and sometimes, in my case, actually blocking time off and just saying, you know, I'm not available during this time. That's, that's great, man. Um, uh, something that you even mentioned earlier about like when we were talking about your early struggles as a student and your transition into the professional world, I think 
those failures are like very important to hear, especially for me. I don't know. I'm sure it's very important for these guys to hear too, um, because it kind of shows that there's a lot of struggle that goes into developing yourself and developing your character and your craft essentially and i think it kind of shows because i think one of the first things that you mentioned in terms of your vision was this grit and grind kind of memphis grizzlies if you because you're into the basketball <laughs> thing i'm sure you i'm sure you know who they are zach randolph's and tony that's, Allen. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the kind of vision that you kind of cultivated from the struggles that you experienced early on and i, and I think it's beautiful right like because it makes you pursue new things on a constant basis like so my question then for you is how do you or why do you use social media as an owner of a private private practice clinic okay so um i use social media for a number of reasons okay so uh, for those of you who don't know just to explain i mean i've obviously got my um if you call it, I guess my brand, um, Matt does physio. So that's kind of, that's kind of like one little brand. And then there is the foundation physio, uh, brand, obviously. Um, I run all those accounts. I mean, uh, a lot of times our global kind of decision with the foundation physio account is within the context of a, you know, a meeting within our management team, but I'm the one who essentially runs the entire thing and, and has kind of the biggest say in how we're going to, how it's going to look, how it's going to sound, the voice of it, um, the perception, the colors, all that stuff kind of comes from me. And we use them in different ways. Okay. So if I had to say from a clinical standpoint, we use it to engage with current clients, okay? We use it to not only engage, but re-engage clients as well, right? So it's a great way to reactivate clients who might've been away from the clinic for a while. You can allow them to know or let them know there might be a new program. You might let them know that a clinician's coming back from mat leave. You can educate them a little bit. You know, right now we're gonna be doing, as an example, into uh, a little bit of a running month. So I've had a lot of my staff work with me to write small little blogs, right? So how to run in the heat, how to run, you know, how to recover from a IT band injury, some exercises you could, that sort of stuff, right? Giving education, um, giving valuable education to other current clients or even sometimes potential clients. Um, that's kind of the goal, right? Um, and then for our aspect too, we really value getting people's, not just their, their Instagram handle, because that can be a little bit hard to manage and to follow sometimes when people are leaving and coming and going um, and what's that actually worth, but to transition those people into other, at least active emails into our, our um, advertising funnel or client funnel or get them directly into the clinic if possible. That's actually the best way, right? Is to get them right into the clinic, but secondarily would be get kind of their emails so that they're at least within our kind of ecosphere a little bit tighter. And again, another opportunity to then advertise to them without the noise of Google, without the other Instagram noise and the other clinics in the areas who are advertising maybe very similar strategies, right? Um, 
the math does physio is a little bit different. I use that one as more, I think if you took a look at Matt does physio and I think it's, you know, Raj's is rajsapaya.pt. Those we use more as education and mentoring tools. Or in my case, sometimes a, you know, a soapbox to jump on to get people a little pissed off at me for that day. Right. And get a little bit of a, get a little blood flow going for everybody <laughs> after a long day of work and get their Twitter, get the Twitter fingers going instead of the trigger fingers these days. Nice. <laughs> right. So them cultural references. <laughs> well, you know, certified lover boys not dropping until later. Oh so man. There's, there's, there's no new, uh, no new lyrics to drop. I think it's coming yeah. soon. I think it's coming September 3rd. I think so. I think, yeah, Friday, right? I think Friday. <laughs> now, this is immediately turned into a hip hop uh, podcast, but. <laughs> you know, what, it, did, I, what did you think of Donda? <laughs> man. Um, so I, I downloaded, honestly, I, I downloaded it today on my way to the gym. I got through about half of it. It's kind of whack. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was a big. I, I explained it to everybody this way, okay? I was a huge Kanye guy back in the day. When it was college dropout, graduation, oh, baby. Mm-hmm. I Amazing had albums. like, I didn't even have like an Apple iPod back then. I had like an MP3 player. Yeah, me so too. <laughs> all you could have is like the one CDs. CD. Right? Like, the, <laughs> yeah. So no different, right? You had one album. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I, would, yeah. I would ride the TTC every day back to Scarborough from U of T just listening to those albums. And that's all you, so to yeah. me, those are like cultural moments in time, moments yep. in time in my life. And now you see Kanye and I'm like, you know, what the fuck happened? <laughs> like this guy used to be the goat, right? So, um, yeah, for real. little whack, little whack. I don't know. Not, not my favorite Kanye album. That's for sure. The, but, the only song I liked so far on it was hurricane. hurricane. Yeah, yeah. Literally the only song I liked. Yeah. Okay. I think, mean, I think the, the beat on jail, I didn't mind, but again, I haven't gone through the whole thing yet. Jail I was couldn't get through it. Good. It was supposed to have the baby on it, but apparently yeah. it didn't work. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't do it. <sighs> yeah, not not the, not his best. We'll we'll see. I I gotta give it a couple more listens. I'll I owe him that much. <laughs> yeah, I got an album to listen to. I didn't even know he had a new album out. Oh my man! Oh my man! Damn, bro! What the oh, hell? Oh my goodness! God, what are you doing? Look, there it is. <laughs> Oh. What are you doing? He's been under a rock, boys. Man, just comes yeah, back know, from the man. clinic hey, and I just know. sits by the beach all day and then just back <laughs> to the clinic. Hey, well, that's what happens in Barry, you know? That's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, man. But you know what? Speaking of Kanye, though, one thing he is really good at is social media. Mm-hmm. He is a marketing genius. Genius. Like, yeah. that guy knows how to... First of all, he doesn't care. Like, he doesn't necessarily care about his perceptions. He just does whatever he wants and then that, make, that makes an intriguing um, mm-hmm. vision, right? And it's just so creative because no one does it the way he does. Like, who rents out a whole stadium just to, you know, show the unreleased album? So, you know, based on that, what are some creative ways that you found have been helpful to market your clinic? Uh, either using social media, outside of social media, but cl- but techniques you found that not a lot of people have been doing that help creatively put the word out there about your clinic okay um another really good question because actually one of my buddies um down in the states actually just posted something today uh his name's jerry durham if you guys haven't don't give him a follow um he very smart guy very intelligent guy about you know, he's kind of retired from clinical care now, but he mostly works on 
client experience, let's call it, and um, kind of front desk work. Okay, and I just want to—I don't want to misquote it right now, so I want to just see if I can pull it up. And I'm not finding the right one. I think maybe it was on Facebook, which you know, who's on Facebook anymore except old guys <laughs> uh, like myself? But um, it, it was basically like you know why, and if I'm going to paraphrase for him right now, it's like why are you on social media? Like, do you know why you're on social media? And I tell therapists this all the time, and I tell. Um, you know, because one of the questions we always ask new therapists when they're coming, you know, they're interviewing for a spot at our clinic and they say, yeah, I really want to work here. I love orthopedics. And we say, well, great. You're a new therapist. You know, obviously we're going to help you build your caseload, but how, what are you going to do to build a caseload? And the first thing out of everybody's mouth nowadays is, well, I'm going to get an Instagram account. And I think, so you and your 75 physio friends can follow each other, right? And share knowledge. And, then, and listen, there's nothing wrong with that. But like share, share knowledge, right? But understand wow, shots why are being thrown here, right? Shots I'm, gonna, I'm gonna toss my my Instagram account right now too. Just just out the window, right? I'm gonna just delete but, the PT3. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, continue. New page coming but, soon th- th- on yeah, a different platform. So, completely different now, right? Um, but th- but this is, I think I think what you guys are doing here is a good example of that, right? Because this is education in a different context, specifically aimed at rehab professionals or mm-hmm. soon to be rehab professionals, right? Where if you look at a lot of physio pages, it's, you know, hey, here's a stretch I like. And that's great, right? But again, why are you why are you taking the time to design this and, and, and work with that? Are you trying to gain new clientele from it? Because you and the other Let's say there's 400 physios who graduate in Ontario a year, roughly, right? 350, 400, whatever it is. Let's say two-thirds of them get an Instagram page. I'd be willing to say about only a third of them keep it up after the first three months because they don't see any return on it. Now, first of all, you're not going to see any return on an Instagram page in three months anyways, right? So you have to bang out a full year of posting stuff three times a week at minimum, just posting and posting and posting and A-B testing it looking at, you know, is this visual work better? Is it better if this lighting works better? Um, is an exercise better statically and I explain it versus a, a, a reel versus a IGTV versus just a smaller video that I'm posting or is a carousel version better that I'm posting, right? With like, hey, here's an injury, um, here's an exercise, here's the anatomy of it, you know, you can break it up however you want, but unless you're A-B testing it a little bit, which is what takes so long, right? And people forget that's actually what social media is, right? It's almost it's almost a science now to find a way to break that algorithm to get through to people, but not just get through to, I'm going to say not just get through to other physios, but get to the general public, okay? Because then it becomes, am I educating because I'm educating physios? Or am I educating because I'm educating the general public and I want that to turn into, I want that investment in time to turn into new clientele. But how many physios sit down, how many clinic owners sit down and actually have their conversations with themselves? Not a lot, right? Because if they did, they'd stop putting out these stock photo Instagram shit, right? They put out, I see so many, again, here, here's me going pissing people off again, right? But you got these people who put out this great copy and great write-up and great content, 
but don't take the time to make a proper visual picture that people want to engage with on a strictly visual platform, right? Mm. Knowing, understanding it's Instagram and it's 100% visual and they want it to be more video because it keeps you engaged longer. And then you're putting out a stock photo with a big long write-up. You know who reads that? Physios read that. So if you're again, if you're going to do something that's to gain, you want to you want to start getting mentor mentees to pay you to mentor them. You want to get people to be part of your educational program or to take a course with you. Perfect. That makes sense, right? Um, you're trying to, um, you know, maybe you're not in Toronto where there's a, a high concentration of physios but you're a little bit, you know, north of the city, you're north of Barrie, maybe it's worth it to kind of provide this education to people. So when they're out of school, they're like, Hey, I know that person knows what they're talking about. I'd love to work for that person. Right now that's a recruitment mm-hmm. tool. So you're doing it for recruitment now, but if you're getting it to get clients, you've got to take a very different stance to this. Right. And you've got to be a little bit more, you got to think way different. You got to think much more like a consumer and people hate when I use the word consumer in healthcare, but it's another one that you just kind of got to get used to because people are choosing where they want to spend their money. Right. They're not, it's no longer, you know, physician to physio. It is direct care access, which means they have a choice. They can see, any number of physios, any number of specialists now. So it is a consumable product that we have to be okay with that concept. Now, mm-hmm. we also have guidelines. We can't, you know, say certain things because of our college, which is fair, but it's okay sometimes to be a little aggressive with your messaging. It's okay to be a little bit bold with your messaging. Um, mm-hmm. And it's okay to, um, you know, I, I've seen a lot of physio clinics kind of shy away from doing advertisements okay one of the best ways we've kind of accessed new clientele through our instagram feed is through targeting ads because through facebook instagram right it's you know it's the same company so as you do that they actually provide a very good cost analysis product for advertising because you can decide you know what you want your radius to be and then within that radius who you want your clientele to be. You know, you, you can choose, hey, people who ch- who follow certain running groups, people who choose, you know, people who follow mom groups, people who like all these different interactions and you can really target it down, right? I mean, all you guys would know this, right? Like you're scrolling Instagram and you find a product that's like, you're like, geez, wow, I didn't even know I needed that product, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's. It, Everybody thinks it's like, well, hey, the algorithm—you know—the phone's listening to you. But really, it's just the algorithm's so damn good that the companies who employ these market researchers are just—they know who who they should be looking for, right? Wait, so you're saying that the phones are not listening to me? Because like, it seems like sometimes I when I say certain things, I'm like, it just pops up right as soon as I like think it almost. <laughs> that's that's what they say is that the mm-hmm. algorithms are good now that they can pick up based on other interactions you have, what you might want, which is crazy because they just have so oh, many data. They, okay, okay, they, okay. Have, they have so many data points that we just don't even have access to that they can start to plot who's going to want right. you know, who's going to want to see a rap, the new Raptors logo, uh, jersey, right? Versus, the, you know, the new TFC jersey, yeah. let's say, if, you know, if that was the case. But that's actually how, that's yeah. how these,
these data, like these data managers and processors and really A-B testing. I mean, they call it like hack marketing, right? It's, it's basically just A-B testing the whole way through using a computer mm-hmm. program to decide who needs to see this, right? Right. So that, you know, the, the Facebook, Instagram business suite actually allows smaller guys like small businesses like healthcare to actually play a little bit within that field because we can really whittle our budget down so low but make it so cost effective as opposed to something like Google where listen you're just you're popping up you know it it does have to do with the Google algorithm but it also has to do with where the person is geographically and what search terms they use and how often you update your website are you updating Google my business which most people don't understand they need to update that as well constantly as you know at least monthly as well to stay relevant so mm-hmm. there, there's a lot you have to do now creatively gosh people have to sit down and, and I would just urge anybody who's listening to this is you know probably going to be in healthcare right they need to sit down with somebody who's an actual brand level person right and it's not somebody you have to hire full-time but you can hire these people on contracts or have conversations with them but people who help you build what your brand identity is most mm-hmm. people have gone far enough to get like a nice logo and colors right but does that permeate your entire website does that permeate your instagram or your emails right do you when you're sending emails to your clientele to let them know you started a new concussion program does all that color come through does the font come through right it's got to be an absolute client journey from day one they need to know what to expect how to expect it because if it doesn't it's going to provide a roadblock to them taking that next step into the buying journey right so um the best thing people could do is really have that conversation get their colors coordinated right so that might mean the colors they wear in their pictures right how often do you guys see a clinic post a picture of like an amazing exercise and their colors are green because health is green very often and they're just wearing you know a a white and gray top you know with red shoes and it might not matter to you because you might be looking at it as a physio going hey that's a great exercise but to the consumer there's something different because everybody else is so on brand that actually is a negative to our perception of what that the value add that that person's giving us. So creatively, it's actually about being very on brand and consistent with it is actually the best thing you can do. So you have to make whoever's in the photo consistent with what you're trying to put out as the message, like with the brand. Every single time. Okay. Every single time, right? So you always want to make sure those, and it, it sounds so, it sounds so simple and so silly at the same time, right? But because Instagram has changed our perception of what advertising looks like, if you are not like pinpoint specific with it, it won't fit. One of the best, and I honestly the best example, one of our competitors, competitors, sorry, is Myo Detox, right? If you look up anybody on any of their feeds, any of their employees, it's a consistent strategy across all of their therapists. Consistency across all their clinic pages. Consistency across um, their ads on Google and their ads on Instagram. Very, very consistent. And that breeds confidence 
within the potential consumer of therapy, just like it would for anything else, shoes, food, um, haircuts, whatever it might be, right? We want to see that consistency the same way through. So if it's a, um, a, um, a filter you use, right? The style of lighting, the style of filming. Now, if you want to film something like, as an example, if you want to film a reel one way and a IGTV another way, that makes sense, right? But there still needs to be colors that pop through. There still needs to be a consistency and language that pops through, um, which is what we, you know, kind of how we said, started this whole thing. But it's actually why I tell a lot of therapists, especially a lot of new therapists and a lot of new business owners, hey, this not, may not be where you want to invest your time and money <laughs> right off the bat. Right, be, don't do it just because everybody else is doing it, and you feel like you need to do it because you're just going to waste your time and effort that you could be doing something else, like trying to build partnerships with that gym across the street. You could build partnerships with a uh, rugby team, you know, two blocks away. Um, little things like that, right? And you got to find that niche. I'd like to say that should all be in everybody's business plan, but the reality is it isn't always. Now, like after all this, how do you how do you manage all your social medias? Like you mentioned, you know, posting a few times um, a week, and also having like a busy schedule, having the clinic, having employees, um, having all the meetings. Like, how do you manage all this? So I, I've adopted a a strategy of kind of um, like we talked about before. Like I actually block my my schedule to do this. Okay. Um, um, because I found that's kind of the most efficient way for me uh, t to be consistent, let's say. Um, now that we've been kind of on this process uh, and this path for, for a while now with a proper um, uh, strategy, let, let's use that word, uh, we try to really emphasize our staff, obviously, right? So um, we bring a proper photographer in. Um, you know, some people are good enough with cameras, I'm not. So we bring a proper photographer in um, and I'm lucky enough to have a friend of mine who can kind of help guide um, guide me through the PR world style, like the management style of it. So, you know, we, we basically block three hours. We take a ton of pictures. You know, they live on an external hard drive for me. I've got, I don't even know how many pictures right now of my staff that I can kind of use and crop and pick and choose from. Um, I've got little small videos at this point. It's all living on my hard drive. And then when we decide we want to promote something, massage therapy, running assessments, FMS, uh, you know, physio for migraine pain or vestibular pain, I have all that ready to go. And I basically sit down. I, I have to block about four hours and I just sit there with... Um, a program that allows me to pre-plan things. Um, and now things don't always stay, you know, completely static throughout a month, but I try to plan it kind of two weeks before. So last week I actually did everything for September. I, I laid it all out, all the, the pictures and the copy, um, hashtags, the tags, the location, all that is ready to go. It takes me about four hours to do a month's worth of work. And then I've got it all across Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, and Google My Business all set up. Okay, and, and uh, LinkedIn as well if we need to do something kind of on a on a bigger work scale. So the program I use for that it's called a Later.com. Um, 
Yeah, it's later.com. Um, I'm currently looking into another one called Sprout. Uh, but these programs just allow you to upload a bunch of pro um, content to plan it out. Um, so it's great for businesses, right? Like what it doesn't allow you to do, obviously, is like you still might have to, you know, if Drake drops an album this week and there's some lyrics you want to throw in, to one of your captions or something, you, you know, you're still going to have to come up with a picture and, and pull that up and try to be on trend with everybody else because that's also important to social media, right? You have to be malleable. You have to be able to sometimes Photoshop a quick a picture really quick, right? Um, or you know, get on a trend. I mean, everybody was doing that. Uh, if you guys remember back in March or February, where that that ship blocked the Suarez Canal, right? And everybody was kind of using that photo of that little like that little digger hoe trying to push the, the <laughs> ship open, right? So you yeah. have to be sometimes quick to adjust to things like that if you want to gain new clients or continue your engagement with clients or whatever it might be, or your mentees um, or your staff or you know whatever it might be. But at least it allows me, in my case, the opportunity to free up a lot of my day-to-day -day time that I don't have to think about social media. I think about it once a month, plan it out the way I need to. Um, and then I use, like most people, Linktree kind of symbiotically with that, right? So with Linktree, that obviously allows me the opportunity, the opportunity to plan the links that might go out with a specific post. So if I'm posting something, one of my therapists wrote about an IT band, um, you know, recovery program, and they wrote a blog about it. I've uploaded it onto the website. I've uploaded it onto social media, and I've uploaded the link into it as well, and into a link in bio as well. So it's just very easily accessible for that um, that potential client who might want to read about it, or who sees it and goes, "Yeah, I've got knee pain. Is it IT band syndrome? Let me read about it." So it's just, it's about you know, it is a a lot of strategy involved just to make sure everything works properly. Um, and again, having a little bit of, of malleability in your life with it, but trying to take as much of that away, right? Cause you don't want to be as a clinician thinking, geez, you know, I, I got that blog. One of my therapists wrote, but I also have to go into clinic from 10 AM to 6 PM. And then I got to get home to do something cause it's never going to get done. Or you're going to start posting it at improper times where you're not going to get a lot of connection with your potential clientele, whatever that clientele is, right? So um, that's the other thing with these programs is they allow you to program stuff at the opportune time, right? They let you see your month out in advance so you can make sure all the pictures kind of, you know, look good um, on how they're going to kind of present themselves on a mobile phone or a, a tablet. Uh, it takes a lot of that guesswork out, but it does take a little bit of upfront work to actually think the steps through and to really maximize that investment for yourself. Wow, that's amazing. Um, Later.com is what you said, right? For the, um, in terms of planning out your posts and all that stuff for Instagram? Yeah, yeah, the, the, the one I'm using currently is Later.com. The mm -hmm. one I think I'm actually gonna be switching over to is called Sprout. Sprout, okay, cool. Yeah, so those are interesting. You know, if anybody is looking, you know, oh, anybody wants to reach out to me at any point listening to this and has questions or, um, you know, thoughts about it, definitely kind of reach out because they um, they are a little bit of upfront time, but uh, will definitely save people a lot of headache and uh, allow them to really 
put their plan out strategically in the way that I think they want to. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, we're going to transition into the final question. The question that you didn't get. Um, so, and it's not, it's not that hard. I made it easy, I think. For you Willie's today. been waiting all day for this this morning. <laughs> no, no, I mean, maybe. <laughs> um, so the question I have for you, Maddie, um, is when you feel overwhelmed, or unfocused, or even like lost your focus, like temporarily, what do you do? And if it's helpful at all, like what are some of the questions that you ask yourself to get yourself out of this moment of lost focus? God, ah, uh, wow. You guys are coming in with some killer questions on me today. Jeez. I know, I'm, bring, I'm bringing some heat today. Dropping it like it's Donda. <laughs> <laughs> God, what, so what do, I, what do I do to kind of regain focus? That's, um, that's, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, one thing I've kind of realized about myself is, I do like stress, you know, I, I, res- I respond well to stress. So sometimes I've found myself over the years kind of reminding myself that this is what you want, right? Uh, I can occasionally be lazy uh, when I don't feel that need to, to produce um, and to be on my best. So sometimes it is just having that, and maybe that's the answer, it's a lot of self-talk. And I think I picked that up mm-hmm. uh, playing sports when I was younger, um, and, and just I, did, I also. What sports did you of, play? I, so I grew up actually playing a lot of baseball and a lot of hockey, um, mm-hmm. and I, strangely enough, like my first love was actually baseball. And I think the problem with baseball is you spend so much time out in the field by yourself. So <laughs> I don't. I don't think it was anybody. You know, there was no psychologist or any, anything telling me like, "Hey, this is good for your," you know your uh, performance but I think I was just bored in the infield just sitting there going okay well you know what would I do if the next guy hits it to me <laughs> you know what what do I do if this happens what do I do you know in this case so I adopted this little bit of self-talk when I was when I was a lot younger and I think you know there's obviously now a lot of research for athletic performance to demonstrate that self-talk and visualization can be great and I mean, I guess self-talk can be bad too if, if you take it in a negative context, but I do find, you know, talking to myself um, and just kind of working through the problem and giving myself some of that encouragement uh, can, can be very grounding for me personally. And I understand that, you know, that's not something that's going to work for everybody all the time. Um, and, you know, it's so it's, it's between that and I think it's between just making sure that you carve out enough time for for myself to recharge so that I can give as much as I want to give to everybody else. Right. It's, you know, we're, we're in a very empathetic career and for you guys, a career path, right. Um, it's something you don't get into without being a person who gives a lot, I think. And I think the people who succeed are people who do give a lot, but the people who survive and do it so well are the people who learn to take the time to recharge their batteries a little bit as well. So, and sometimes it's self-talk to remind myself of that as well. Yeah. The self-talk piece is so key, man. Like, um, you know, a lot of times we talk about 
socializing and talking to our friends and having that support that way. But in the end, a lot of times when we're in those tough situations where we are overwhelmed, a lot of times it's just we only really have ourselves to bounce ideas off and you sort of want your mind to be a positive place for you to handle that situation, right? So um, kind of adding to what you said, something that I wanted to share was meditation, which has really helped me um, in the sense of helping, you know, quiet your mind, uh, build a more zen-like state in Mm -hmm. challenging situations where you can trust yourself uh, to handle the challenge in the way it should be handled uh, without acting from a place of stress which which is sometimes hard to do and like we're not ever going to get it perfect but um it, that helps your self-talk too because you have a more you have more awareness about your thought patterns and uh you're better able to pick which thoughts you should sort of nurture and which ones you should let go um but yeah that was that was really good i really really like that question and and your response was great too and you know if, if you've already been able to find what that works for you at, you know, at this point, you know, your age, your career, that's amazing. Right. And, um, you're right. I mean, meditation is not about necessarily quieting everything out, mm-hmm. but finding that right level. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, one of my, my favorite examples of that is, you know, doing gosh, way back when we did a kin degree and we looked at sports psychology, right. But when you have an athlete in a high pressured situation, you, you really don't want them to be on either side, right? You don't want them to be too stressed out and you don't want them to be too nonchalant about everything, right? You yeah. need everybody dialed in just enough that they're performing at that right level. And I think that's where self-talk, meditation, um, even deep breathing for certain people, just yeah. bringing them down enough, bringing the, the, the emotions down, bringing the stress down enough to the point where you're at your optimal level of operation and mental capacity. Yes. And I think that's, that's awesome that you, you've already been able to figure that out. That's going to just, you know, it's going to serve you so well moving forward in your career. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, and even not even just for myself, but the thing is all of us who are coming in these healthcare professions, like you were saying before, the reason why we're here is because we care, right? So if something goes wrong or maybe we don't have the most ideal outcome with a patient or someone yells at us, it will affect our emotions because we care, right? So it's important not to let that part go because if we let the empathy go, if we stop caring about what we're doing, then it, then that's the wrong extreme too, right? So just... A hundred percent. And I mean, you guys are going to see as your careers evolve, I mean, stuff happens in life. Right, mm-hmm. you can't you can't prevent certain things from happening in life, right? And I mean, it can be as simple and as silly as you know you're going to work and a flat tire in your bike, and now you're late, or you're you know you just got in on time and you're stressed. But it could be a lot can be a lot worse, right? It could be loss of family members, right? It can be divorce. It can be um, realizing you have to pay for divorce. It could be <laughs> realizing you have to pay for getting married. Whatever it is, right, can really take you away from that person that you're you really want to be and what ends up happening is that that just creates more stress in your life because you're acknowledging it as well so having that ability to find find that level and be able to continue to be so empathetic is so so huge and um you know we don't we don't really want to see any of you guys you know burn out either right 
that that should be part of, you know, as much as a push right now to make sure all the current residents finally get out of the residency. And for you guys who are students right now going into your residencies, get out of your residency in a realistic time frame. We should also all be, you know, as senior therapists, really be looking forward to helping you guys find ways that you guys can prolong your careers and not burn out, right? And, and, and take, you know, continue the career path that you guys are on. Yeah, I hope we all, you know, have long, fulfilling careers. <laughs> And I'm sure. I'm sure we'll have mentors that are going to help us do that. Yeah, we got. So we, we got Maddie some, around. We got, got Maddie, Maddie around. around. Yeah. <laughs> Blasting Donda on the TTC. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say just mostly just listening parties, right? <laughs> I can't wait. We got to have a listening party now in person. We should when do COVID that. Is September third on September third. We should. Oh, for sure. Certified lover boy. <laughs> listening party at Foundation. We got to send out the uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the event break. Uh, Eventbrite, exactly. Eventbrite uh, tickets. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Maddie, thank you so much for coming on. Um, there were some gems in there based on your experiences, but I feel like we got all kinds of stuff. I feel mm. like we, we got gems for all, for client care, stress management, um, longevity. mentorship, longevity, leadership. Like that was a loaded episode. I'm sure people are going to get a lot of value out of that one. We, we managed to find a way to work uh, some hip hop talk in too. So. Exactly. That you never know, happened. That's the. Uh, <laughs> we educated Michael about Donda. Seriously, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. September third. Now, certified lover boy. That's Drake, right? Did I get yes, that sir. One? That's yeah. it. Okay, I got that one. Man's okay. learning. I am learning lots about the music. This uh, podcast is going to have four to- topics or four titles. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I mean, the, the, the best thing about being your own boss is you actually get to choose the music you play at the clinic. So, oh, yeah, um, that's huge. We, we had uh, one therapist who used to work Tuesday, Thursdays with me for, you know, probably two years, but there was a good six month period where we listened to Kendrick Lamar's Humble after mm-hmm. six, from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. every Tuesday, Thursday. Like, and the, you know, the real version, not the safe for work version, just because yep. I, you know, I figured after six, you're kind of safe to, to play that music. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, I have a feeling certified lover boy might get the same uh, might get the same love at the clinic these days, but we'll, we'll see. But I appreciate you guys having me on. It was it was great chatting with you. Um, thanks for letting me go on my rants, and uh, I hope I hope it was it was as helpful at least some gems out of there, and it was great. Of course, the rants we we live for the rants. Yes, we do. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, that was. Matthew Lang from Foundation Physiotherapy. We're going to put all of his links in the bio, but you can follow him on Instagram at Matt Does Physio. You can also follow Foundation at Foundation Physio. Uh, we'll have some more links in the bio about where you can uh, book a session with Matt if you want and any other links that Matt wants to, us to share with you. And if nobody else has any other questions, this has been the PT3 with Matthew Lang. Certified lover boy. Certified physio boy. Certified physio boy, baby. (laughs) All right, guys. It's been real. Take care. Take it easy. Peace.